Are you in the cannabis industry looking for like-minded people that can help you grow your cannabis business? Do you want to get into this space but don't know where to start? If you're a cannapreneur or work in the cannabis industry and are looking to 10x your business growth or even get into the cannabis industry, then the Canna Playbook Incubator is for you. The Incubator is a community of like-minded entrepreneurs like yourself that come from all areas in the industry to learn how to tap into the digital space that's available to fuel your brand and sales growth. To name a few things, you get cannabis data, compliant templates, and most importantly of all, a roadmap to help you increase the equity value of your company off the bat. If you're looking to see how you can grow and get the right advice, check us out and book your free strategy call with one of our Canna operational specialists, absolutely free. They will break down what opportunities exist for your brand, your company, and tap into an awesome blueprint that you'll leave with so you can get started in scaling and leaving your competition in the dust. To learn more, check out www.cannaplaybook.com forward slash connect or check us out in the links below in the show notes. Let's connect and help you own a piece of the market today. What's going on, Canna Playbook Nation? Hope you are doing amazing today from wherever in the world you are tuning in from. As always, we are on a mission to bring you stories of cannapreneurs and the very people that power the cannabis industry. We all know California today leads the cannabis game in growing techniques, quality of flower, the best growers, the master growers come from California, and they just have some of the best flower in the market, honestly, globally, hands down. We all know Cali is that place. So consuming flour and getting high quality flour is a huge component of the cannabis industry. It honestly can constitutes at least a third of all sales at dispensaries and deliveries and getting high quality flour has been California's specialty. Consumers are looking for it. And so today we wanted to find a very high quality grower to give us some insight on what the industry is like from the grower's perspective. Today we have a very special grower from Humboldt County where for those of you that are not familiar, it's where the best medicine, the best flower, guys, they Humboldt County always wins the Canvas Cup. Uh, some flower, some grower from there, very toply rated. And you know, that's where some of the best cannabis is cultivated. So today from Humboldt, we have my good friend, Amalia Steele, who is the brand director of Smooth Cannabis, which is a flower brand out of Humboldt County. When it comes to sustainable cannabis cultivation, they are the leaders in the industry. And from looking at their product on their site, they absolutely have some amazing flower. It was definitely an honor to have her on today's episode. So sit back, relax, and let's ease into today's episode. Hey, how's it going, guys? So today we have Amalia Steele joining us, and she is the brand director of Smooth Cannabis, which is a flower brand out of Humboldt County, out in California. When it comes to sustainable cannabis cultivation, Smooth Cannabis, they are the leaders in the industry. Smooth, they care deeply about their environment, and they actually have a state-of-the-art 20,000-foot square canopy that uses freely available and abundant light of the sun to grow some of the finest cannabis in California, Welcome, Amalia. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you so much for being I'm on the great. show today. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet all of you guys, and especially in a troubling time right now, but at least we can connect virtually um, and, and do this show and then educate people on what we have to offer. Absolutely. So, so you're joining us out of Canada right now today, right? I, yes, I happen to be in Toronto. I will be traveling back to California, I would say, next week. I was, I was scheduled to go back last week and then um, unfortunately uh, the, the riots kind of broke out and, and a lot of our businesses in San Francisco that we work with were hurt and um, I just decided to stay put for another week or so, keep it, keep oh, it wow. safe and uh, yep. focus on you know running the brand, which is what I do. I have so many different hats that, so for me to be disrupted in my day ends up uh, resulting in days lost in business, so. Got you, got you. Well, I mean, well, we appreciate, you know, you taking the time out to really join us during these crazy times. And I know, you know, we had an initial conversation, which was just amazing. And I figured, you know, our community, you know, what they love to hear is they just want to hear about, you know, the brand story. And I think it's important for brands out there to just tell their story because the cannabis industry just is so young. It's going to be brands that are really going to set apart, you know, the future of products and the products to trust and the products to consume as the cannabis industry kind of matures. You know, it was so awesome to find you guys. And, um, you know, we'd love to get into your, your brand in a second, but more importantly, we always love to understand 
what your story uh, is, Amalia. And so how did you kind of get into the cannabis space? You know, what's been your journey? Do you have a background in growing or where, where in the industry did you come from through the cannabis space? Well, um, it's kind of my, my life in the cannabis industry is, um, is definitely an interesting one. Um, I'll, I'll prep everybody of, of being a um, teenager where my older brother consumed cannabis illegally. And it, uh, I was, um, came from like my mom and father were divorced when, when I was eight years old. And so my brother in his teenage years um, started smoking cannabis. And obviously that's like a big no-no in the eighties. And it kind of, you know, destroyed our family a little bit. It was, it was slightly traumatic. So um, anyways, fast forward when uh, I ended up turning 18, I remember finally just trying to smoke. Cause I thought, right, like this is this is something that's not that big of a deal, but obviously being illegal, it was it was made to to think it was a big deal, and obviously being in trouble and my brother in and out of um, trouble with the police. Um, I remember my uh, a friend of mine tried to get me to smoke when I was eighteen for the first time, and I actually mm. did not get high for a year after trying to smoke. And I no think it way. was just be, yeah, I don't think I told you the story last time, but I continually smoked for one year and I was like, how is this actually not possible to not get high from, from cannabis? And I wow. thought it was the trauma, the trauma that I suffered of like seeing my brother in and out of trouble that I just had like a, a mental um, slash physical block, block in it. So Anyways, eventually it worked and I went off to art school. I ended up becoming a fashion designer and um, there was many countless nights in uh, Los Angeles where we, we, my boyfriend and I were buying shake on the beach from a Rastafarian guy and um, I would sit up all night till like three or four o'clock in the morning drawing my fashion sketches and being super creative and allowing me to tap into this like state of being like creative but yet focused. And, mm. um, and I kind of like, I, I saw the beauty of it then. So anyways, fast forward, I ended up moving to New York City. I was a fairly successful fashion designer for 12 years, um, but it was a really shallow, superficial world. Um, and I, at a certain point in time, kind of wanted out of it. So I ended up moving to the UK, ended up being married, ended up switching careers to be in a, um, the world of well-being, like yoga, fitness, health. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of um, being then in a new country where, you know, uh, cannabis is definitely more, more illegal even in the UK. And it's not as, um, there's no, at that point in time, there wasn't any medical marijuana at all. So it just kind of fell by the wayside. I stopped kind of being interested in it or just obviously not wanting to be involved in something that, I could get in trouble on top of it being, I was trying to become a British citizen over there. So anyways, oh, wow. um, so, I was, so, yeah. so let me ask you a question. I mean, that sounds really interesting. I, I know cannabis is, is getting accepted in the UK now slowly, right? Even CBD is becoming a market, but how was that? I mean, in the underground market, do you, did you find that it was thriving out there in the UK or was it just super hard to get in general? Like the, I, the culture? Honestly, back well, it was a bit of, I think, because I was slightly cautious of doing anything illegal when you're an American citizen trying to go for citizenship, I obviously didn't want to, to do anything illegal. Um, of course. But it wasn't, and also because I was in the yoga, fitness, healthcare world, it was slightly also something that was probably frowned upon. But of course, I had friends and new people that did smoke and I, you know, I would smoke occasionally, but it wasn't something that I actively kind of sought out. Like it was like, kind of like on to the next in my life, but I always, you know, believed in cannabis and saw the, you know, the medicinal effects of it, especially being a woman, being super blunt, like when, when it's that time of your month and you're feeling a little bit off and nauseous and backache, like there's so many medicinal properties in it that, oh, yeah. that you just, you know, and I'm a bit of a naturalist too. So I will suffer and not take Advil, ibuprofen or anything like that and just grind it out a headache or backache or anything like that. But you know, two puffs from a pipe or a joint and, you know, it just removes any of that, um, any of that pain. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it so is the, it's the medicine, it's been the medicine of the past and it's the medicine of the future. You know, I mean, that's where cannabis has its spot in, in, in our time, in our history of just humankind. It's just been there. So that's awesome. Like, you know, more and more people thinking like that. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's so much bad that happens if you just take two Tylenols, right, to your liver, where you can get 
same effects probably through you know some indica flower for example so exactly and the yeah all the properties with better sleep and just obviously you can go you know off the deep end and then have it be counterproductive but everything in my life has always been uh, about finding that perfect sweet spot of a balance to live the most optimal um right you know healthy life that you can like you were saying to me offline like we need to have exercise and sun and it's just so important to find out what works for each person individually and i am even on a path right now where i like to try different strains because i you know i i personally like sativas but obviously i'm not going to smoke that before i go to sleep but i'm right. always so curious about like how different strains affect different people and you know some people you know will say this makes them a little bit anxious whereas for me it will make uh, it will be super calming for me so it's really a trial and error it's like the same journey as like wine tasting right the same chardonnay that i love you know my girlfriend might not love or um you know different people have different tastes and you have to go through that journey and i think that's why the education right now that comes from bud tenders really learning about all the different strains and 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 what they're good for um is so important in this time where recreational cannabis um is you know is is out in, in, in the world in multiple different states, you have to right. um, be willing to experiment. But for a lot of people, for something that was illegal for so long, that's the scary part is like, who do you trust? What? And that's, I think, where the brands come in, right? Is the education, consistency, 100%. quality. So, so, yeah, so after I was living in the UK, um, I... I love living in Europe and it's beautiful, but I think I was itching to do something different in my life and kind of bring everything together from the aesthetic that I learned in fashion and art and creativity with well-being. So I have a good friend um, who had moved out from um, New York City to um, Petrolia and uh, ended up buying um, a cannabis farm with a friend of his and nice. just started building it up over the years. So I had a, a moment and uh, I turned, I remember I, I turned 40 and I went to Thailand and I was kind of just like in that moment of like the grind where you're like, what, you know, working hard and like, what is this all, what is life all about and why am I doing this? And I want to be super passionate about what I do. Yeah. And I decided that I wanted to move to Northern California and work on a cannabis farm. So I called up my friend and, and basically said, like, is there a possibility that I could come work out on the farm? Three, four months, I just want, you know, I want to do something different. So I did that for the first year. And, and within, I would say, three to four weeks of being in the most picturesque, idyllic setting of Petrolia. Mm. Um, I mean, just the first day that I drove over the Wildcat, which um, if anybody's seen our Growing Exposed episode, which I can plug later because it's the most beautifully shot episode of um the area around our farm and then our farm um one mile from the lost coast um so the first time i i got out there within three weeks i was just in bliss i i experienced more yoga and well-being in the three weeks that i was there than i did in you know the the seven years of being in the fitness well-being industry um because it was wow. just peaceful and and the people that are drawn to that area of the country just really are tapped into like what's important in life and community and well-being and spirituality so, and so, so take us through like a day i mean how i mean this sounds really amazing i mean you know there are these kind of places i've heard of you know here in california um but like take us through a day i mean how, how much yoga did you do was it like a daily thing was it a ritual um it was more up? it was it it wasn't even about actual physical yoga. I just mean like the spirituality of sitting and almost gotcha. like in the meditation where I, cause so basically I moved out there and I was a trimmer um, for the first year, which is basically the lowest on the totem pole of what, what they call, you know, like the tiers of working in a cannabis farm. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. But, but it's, it's so all parts of the business are so integral, right? Like it's like, it literally right. is like a team, but you know, the grower, the growers are the ones that like feel like that, you know, they've got the ego, like they're actually growing the cannabis. So I, I, I experience all, you know, the types of people that you would have like in a, you know, in a normal office setting, right, right. just on yeah. the farm in the middle of nowhere in nature. And I, and I, um, so I was technically the lowest on the totem pole, but my friend is the owner of the whole, 
the whole farm and he kind of just like he would come over and like inspect my trimming every day and I'm a perfectionist so I was like wanting to get it right and being a trimmer is probably the hardest most grueling job it's sitting in a chair for eight to 14 hours a day and basically hand trimming like perfect you know the flower to be perfect but you don't want to shave off too much um and you want to be super delicate with it so basically got to put your music on focus yep. and that's where i'm saying the beauty that that's where i experience the most yoga because when i did yoga it's like yoga to me isn't just about all these beautiful postures it's about being focused looking inward finding your moving meditation mm. so it right, was more right. of doing that in a chair trimming cannabis and seeing you know we we look out onto this um the farm is called the ranch so it's the most beautiful it's one mile in from the coast um there there's just the landscape is stunning the sky so the the where we trimmed in in a barn just like open the barn doors opened up and you just felt right like you were in this picturesque setting horses would run by or um you know just just I can't yeah, it sounds like you're in a painting you were living yeah, like a exactly that's like, we, we would laugh sometimes and say like and then now this is like what Bob Ross is just painting in this like you know picturesque mountainscape coming in the sunset right and I would just sit there and laugh like wow this is this is a really special experience so at that point in time it was um the the farm only had our traditional um, hoop house greenhouses. We didn't have the two state-of-the-art Nexus greenhouses. They were being built at the time, but it was a mm. two-year process to get these glass greenhouses done. Dave had to fly in a friend from California to, um, to even just lay the foundation of the concrete. We had to get PG&E to wire the electric in. I mean, it was a long process to okay. get these greenhouses up and running. And was it, and let me ask you a question. So when you started trimming, was it always that you were working with the company Smooth Cannabis or did that name and brand come out after a while that when you moved up the totem pole as you- Okay, so, so, so basically that's how, that's how I came into it. So I trimmed yeah. for the first year and halfway, halfway through the year, um, I had all these ideas about how he should be doing um, business better, more efficiently optimizing everything. Like while I sit there for 14 hours, my business mind was going like, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? And I also, <laughs> right, lived, right. Uh, I lived with my friends. So I was constantly always saying, Hey, why don't you do this? Or, Hey, we could do this. So at, when it got to be the end of the season, he's like, I think I want you to come back next year and run my trim operation. Would that be something you'd, you'd want to do? And I was like, wow, that's like, that's a really big job. That's like stepping from the bottom job, the totem pole to like the top of the totem pole right and, and so That's I was awesome. like yeah of course I, I can do it so he gave me that opportunity which uh was a blessing and a curse at the same time because I thought trimming was hard and then coming back is like the bigger boss of the trim operation and managing 35 um 20 something year olds you know and basically essentially like a hippie commune and having to have them be disciplined and you know get everybody to get the work done um, right and we ended up having almost like this little burning man um community right like people are spinning poise and juggling and um you know hula hooping and it's like okay guys got to get to work we got to you know there's like there's rules you had to trim a minimum of a pound to stay on the farm I mean that's kind of how how it's always been and there's some you know people that just want to come out and be on my cannabis farm to smoke for free and and play right. and and at the end of the day it's a business and it's you know it needs to it needs to be taken seriously so I had to like find that balance of cracking the whip slash um being, you know, understanding and empathetic towards people's needs and, and, you know, 35 people working together in a tight space. And I didn't tell you at the beginning, so, you, so where we're located in Petrolia is like 75 minutes from like Costco and the grocery stores. So oh, when wow. I tell you you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no cell phone reception except for one place where you can just stand, you know, on your phone and not move. We, the right. first year we, we didn't, the first year and a half, we didn't even have internet connection. So you're literally in the sticks. So it's all about, um, you know. It's about being present, it seems like. I mean, there's exactly. no Netflix. There's no, nothing yeah. like that. Man. And so people, lived, people lived on the farm in tents. 
Right. So wow. it's was, it was pretty cool. So, so basically that year I ended up running the trim scene and it was like super, super hard um, at, because, you know, managing people slash getting work done. Um, and during that year, I was like, well, I can do this. It's another tick the box, but it's not really what I want to do. What I want to do is start a right. cannabis brand. So it got to be towards the end of the year. And I was saying to him, he's like, okay, you're going to come back next year. Cause at that point in time was we were building the Nexus greenhouse to make us a year round um, farm. Um, right. And I said, and I said, um, yeah, well, if I come back next year, I want to start a cannabis brand. And so we, we, we spent about six months, the end of the first, the end of the second year, sorry, I had said to him, let's start a cannabis brand. And he, and we started brainstorming names. And I remember the last thing that I gave like all the crew as um, like kind of like a fun contest is whoever comes up with the name, you know, gets a couple hundred dollars or something like that. So I sent away like 25 of our trimmers to say, Hey guys, we're going to start a cannabis brand. Who wants to come up with the name? And uh, fast forward next year. And I think it was April and um, I started working. I knew we were starting a brand. We didn't have the name yet. And um, we, we were umming and aahing over what we were going to call it, right? Like how do you, right. the hardest, and, and especially in a time when cannabis brands had, had started to become very popular, if you would go on GoDaddy to search for a domain, everything mm-hmm. was taken. Yeah. So I started working, I, I knew what I wanted to do in the brand. Obviously I wanted to showcase the quality of what we have in, you know, from the farm. Um, right. And be packaged very well and aesthetically pleasing. But I, what I was trying to do was actually the, the kiss of death when it comes to be branding, comes to branding and marketing. I actually wanted to be like the Nike of the cannabis world, right? It actually appeals to, to all demographics. Like most people say you need to have a niche market, right? Like you need to carry, right. cater to the hip hop crowd or you need to cater to the, to the soccer moms who haven't smoked anymore. You need to cater to the champagne drinkers or, you know, there's all these different like niche brands. And I thought, well, really who we are as people up North, we're all just everyday people who believe in a quality product. Um, and I want something that actually appeals to a lot of different demographics. So finding a name that a lot of people will understand and it describes the product well, um, having packaging that it's not too masculine and it's not too feminine, having packaging that appeals to different demographics, like that is really hard, but Nike nailed it. So I set on this journey of trying to come up with this brand. So I was doing all this research for months and packaging. And at that point in time too, um, when we started a couple of years ago, there wasn't as much available um, as far as like childproof packaging. So I, you know, I had to like really, my friend connected me to somebody in New York. Um, right. His name was Ed and he owned this company called Pollen Gear who are now part of a company called Green Lane. They had, they got bought out by them, but basically um, I started on this whole journey of getting to utilize then all my aesthetic skill sets that I that I had built up in in New York and lots of connections of graphic designers and website builders and um, and how did how did that feel to like you know to now you're in a new industry but you're able to now leverage a lot of those skill sets because I mean I'll say that the the jar for those of you that are listening that have not seen the jar you got to go to smoothcannabis.com and just to look at this jar it looks very Apple like. I love how you have like the little like red uh, square thing, the meter, whether it's sativa, indica. And I've never seen anybody ever say 0.5 grams per serving. I, I think people just kind of eyeball it normally. Um, but I, I mean, I, I love it. I love the preciseness of it. The logo, it's just, it, it, it shows that it's from a fashion person. Like someone had to be in fashion to design something like this. The, the finding something that's very right right now everything is very like simple and minimalistic and a lot of yeah. um to me the less is is more especially if, like if you're trying to appeal to millennials um so for me when i when we finally came up with a uh, smooth which my friend jeremy who built our website he um he said he was he lives in vancouver and he was driving home one night and every day we'd spend hours on the phone brainstorming uh, artwork because we were trying to design artwork but we didn't even completely have a name yet. We, we were just, you know, researching and 
um, creating mood boards of what I want the brand to feel like. Right. Mm -hmm. So he calls me up one night, like, he's like, I got it. He's like, I got it. I I, I have the name. He's like, I'm not sure if you're going to like it. He's like, I'm not sure if Dave's going to like it, but if you guys don't like it, then I'm going to keep it for myself. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, what is it? You're, you're killing me. Suspense. And, right, like, and the right. craziest part is, is, is for some strange reason, there's this domain is actually available, which wow. I mean, it, it, like I was saying, people are buying up cannabis domains left and right. right. It's such a booming market. Right. Right. So I was course. like, okay, Jeremy, tell me what it is. He's like, it's smooth, smooth cannabis. I was like, wow. That's awesome. I was like, how is that available? He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I was like, all right, let's do it. So, um, so then that's basically, oh, so sorry, I'm, I'm killing the punchline. So he's driving in his truck and smooth, the song smooth by Santana came on. No way. And yeah. And that's how he was like, whoa. And he, and he, as soon as he parked his truck, he Googled it and checked the domain and it was available. So that's basically how smooth cannabis came about. So you said, how was it for me? It was extremely stressful and high pressure the first six months. Cause then of course, when I go back to the owner and I said, okay, do you like smooth? Are you good with this? And we went back and forth a little bit. And then he's like, all right, we need to get the brand out and launched by July because this is when the first harvest. And I'm like, what? Like how, you know, how am I going to get all this done? And the oh, website built and the jars made and timelines, well, but we did it and then we found our our distributor uh so um we we shopped around a little bit and we wanted to uh, be aligned with the distributor that um we felt had the same like core values as us like not just somebody who's you know cares about you know just somebody who's a passionate believes in the brand um right and that's so, placing so, that's placing the product with the right demographic for you for, for you to reach exactly. the right people yep and tell, so, and tell us Tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do you go about, because, you know, the, the industry is so scattered. Like, how do you go about finding the right distributor? Do you, I mean, are there, is, it, is there a Rolodex of better distributors out there than people that just just are just trying to throw product out there in the market? Or did you find that it's like a mix out there of different types of distributors? Like, or, you know, was that difficult to find? There, there's a lot of distributors now in California. I mean, with over 600 retail dispensaries, and I uh-huh. actually have not even done a Google search of how many actual cannabis brands are out there besides flour and vapes and edibles. I mean, there, there must be thousands. Um, right. It's right. It's important to find the right fit and to also find a distributor that has the right amount of product on their menu. Because if you're competing with somebody in your same price point, that's not great when, a, when your sales rep shows up at a dispensary, right? And let's say there's right. three brands around the same price point as smooth it's a little it's going to be a little bit confusing for the dispensary to have to pick which then your sales rep is obviously going like if he likes smooth the best then he's obviously going to pitch smooth but the best distributors i think have have menus that um that work together right like they're all all the products are like the distributor that we work with calyx like they have a great menu and who they work with, the brands that they work with are all like quality products. Um, they have uh, probably in each different category, whether it's vapes or edibles or flour, they have different price points, right? So they have an indoor flower brown, they have brand, they have a mixed light, then they maybe have an outdoor and all three of those are different price points. So they're not competing against each other. Gotcha, so, um, gotcha. so it's really important, I think, to be aligned with, um, the right distributor and have, you know, and have, uh, have them really love your brand. I mean, it's like with any product, right? The more, more right. people love your brand, the more they're going to push your product. And they are your spokespeople for your product. Like people go on Instagram. Sometimes they go on websites aren't even as important these days. It's more about social media, Instagram, but um, right. you have to educate the sales reps of your distributor to tell them, uh, tell them your narrative, tell them your story. Why is smooth cannabis better than another brand from Humboldt County? Um, right. and like, for example, one of the key points for, for us, I think that sets us apart is now we have these two beautiful greenhouses that are, um, that allow us to produce flour 12 months a year where there's other brands that are only able to do one or two runs. So we have continuous fresh flour, um, that's pesticide free. That's the best of both worlds. Like it's grown in an indoor glass house 
but with the sunlight. So it's called mixed right. light. So we get like, mm-hmm. you get the taste of the outdoor grown flower, but with controlled environment, which is really, I think what's, what makes our flower stand out. So, yeah. So let me get, let me ask you that. So what do, what do you feel in the market is, is a market flooded with pesticide product? And because I, I mean, pesticide free, I mean, I obviously sounds better, but I've never seen anybody advertise that, you know, in, in the flower that I've seen out there. And so do you unique people that kind of advertise that and do, do your retailers mention that when they, when they're selling it? I think that there's probably a lot more brands out there than maybe, um, maybe you, you just know about that, that are like, because I would say most people in California are, are more health conscious than the rest of the country. Like there's certain pockets in the United States, right. That like seasoned right. Californians, there's probably more vegetarians in California, right. There's probably more people that are into yoga and doing, you know, be- better, better for their bodies and minds. Um, so I feel like there is a lot of farms and brands practicing um, pesticide, pesticide free, sustainable, sustainable, um, operations and their farming practices, but, um, but sometimes you never know, right? Like you don't know, sometimes pesticides help flower, um, grow, you know, grow better or, or, or have, um, like, and I don't want to say better quality, but sometimes with growing, you run into a lot of problems. It's a delicate operation. Sure. So right you don't know what people do behind the scenes. Having said that now with all the lab tests available, like it, it is making people have to practice better farming practices. So um, being, being organic is really complicated, right? Cause you have to have certain, like we use organic soil um, right. but to, to have an organic farm. You actually have to have the farm, certified on organic land and the, the, the soil has had to have been turned over so many times. So I actually don't know how many farms are actually considered organic farms. I'd be, gotcha. I'd be curious. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think like uh, this topic has come up with a couple of people I've, I've chatted about flour about, you know, that, that there's a lot of great flour brands out there, but the pesticide situation is still somewhat like mo- most products are probably going to be grown with pesticides just because that's just what it is in the market. I mean, very few people are going to have pesticide free product that I've seen. Um, but that's, that's an interesting market to attack because I think as more, you know, people that really care about those things, which are a lot of people in California, they're going to make their buying decision based upon a lot of these uh, in terms of marketing. When you, when it comes to that, it's going to be a huge selling point. I feel. I agree. So now, so tell me, so you, you had this timeline, you're trying to get this brand off the ground, you know, you built the website, you know, we, we know that you were successful to reaching that de- deadline. How did the launch go post that, that with the acceptance of Ooh, with, the, uh, brand? the launch, the launch was hard. Um, at that point in time, it was the first year of what everything in California went recreational, right? So there was a lot of brands um, that suddenly were out there trying to get their flower to market. By the time we actually launched the brand and from our harvest and testing and, and shipping, I think we ended up getting our product out to market in September, which mm-hmm. then um, a lot of people in the cannabis world know that uh, in October is when a lot of people do their, their second harvest. And usually the right. second harvest is better than the first harvest because, you know, you, you've, um, you've gotten one run out right. in practice. Like, any, you know, people get rusty over the year. Everybody takes a break over the winter and comes back. And you can't, the, the sun in California necessarily isn't consistent in the first, you know, half of the year. So the second right. run is usually the strong run. And then if people get in the third run, that's usually the one that, that isn't, that great because mold can set in due to the climate change. Um, right. But anyways, so because most people that second run is bigger, like a bigger yield of harvest than the first, um, there is a saturated market of cannabis flower. And that's why mm. everybody calls it crop croptober. So we mm. ended up launching before croptober. And, um, and at that point in time, we were told what price point we should be in the market and the quality of our product when we first launched isn't nearly what it is now. Like we've really dialed in our practices. We have everything just fine tuned and optimized. So we were going out to market as a new brand at a slightly higher price point than, um, 
than we should have, but it was kind of like where we told, we were told we should be in the market, but we are in this really unique category. Like there's a lot of light depth brands that grow, you know, traditionally in the hoop houses. Um, and we, we have the glass greenhouses. We have, um, mixed light and like I said, the sun, but we are in a unique category where we're not indoor, but we're not Mm -hmm. traditional light depth of, you know, in the hoop houses. So we are almost like, we almost were creating a new market. So for some of the dispensaries, we were coming across as priced too high because they would say, Oh, well, what are you? And we're like, well, we're light dap or we're mixed, you know, we're mixed light. And they're like, well, this is only what we pay. And we're like, well, but look at our flower. And they're like, Oh yeah, it looks more like indoor and the quality of your, your bud structure and is, is there. But they thought like, why are we, you know, why are we more expensive than the traditional hoop houses? And it's like, well, we produce flour year, you know, year round and the electricity and the cost of the greenhouse. But so we had to kind of um, stand, you know, stand true to what we believed in. But at the same time, the quality of our flour now speaks for itself. Like people see it and they're like, wow, this is absolutely spectacular. But the first couple of runs that we had in this, in the green, the Nexus greenhouse was like trying to get a a regular pilot to fly a spaceship, right? Like our, our grower, Aaron, he's been growing for 30 years and suddenly you give him this spaceship and you're like, here, grow flower in this. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I get it, it, I got to figure out how to drive this spaceship first. Exactly. It's kind of like your story about the trimming. You know, it took you a while to get into flow. Now that you guys have gotten into that flow and you're producing this cannabis, it seems like, you know, things are moving along smoothly if I have to, you know, no pun intended with that. But it, No pun intended. Like, yeah. so, so let me ask you a question about the retail locations, though. So you have this awesome flower. Like, I'm looking at it on the website here. It looks amazing, right? Now... Do you find that the market is receptive to that quality and price point? And are, are you, do you feel like you're selling more of your inventory or is it pretty steady across the board? So meaning if people that try your product once, would you say that they're trying your product three, four or fives and, that, and that's the product that they're going with when it comes to flour? Or do you, do you find like it's still you're introducing it into the market and it's still just on its, on its um, infancy, but it's still growing? Well, we're definitely still a new brand and we need to reach, you know, more, um, more homes and having people try it. But I do see that once people try smooth cannabis, that they come back and I constantly am reading messages on our Instagram page, like people sending private, uh, private messages saying, I love your brand. It's the, now it's the only brand I'm going to smoke. And it, it, it makes me so happy to like kind of like convert somebody being into a loyal fan and it's equally guys and girls too. Right. So yeah. I'm saying like, it, it seems cannabis is newer to, of course, there's always been men and women that have smoked cannabis, but I think I, I read a lot of like statistics and reports. And I think like a couple of years ago, I think it was like set, you know, 70% were males that smoke and 40, but obviously the gap is being bridged. Right. So right. for me, it was really important, obviously being a woman to, to have a brand that also appeal, you know, appeals to, to women as well. And not just, you know, be, like some of the brands um, out there, like the, the packaging is like very black and aggressive. And there's some products out there, whether, whether they're called grenades or, um, you know, have a skull and crossbones. It's like, I, I'm not, a girly girl myself but at the Mm -hmm. same time like you want to appeal to um you know older women um you know moms um uh you know the 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 demographic that kind of is a little bit skeptical about cannabis right they're they're just dipping their toes in the water and for um from what i've seen a lot of people that have tried smooth cannabis appreciate our quality of flower for the price that they're paying for it because it's, we're like, we're, we're, we're coming in under the cost of indoor. So indoor eighths usually at a dispensary are anywhere from like 50 to $65. And our product is about 35 to 40. So you're getting incredible value for, um, for the price. Yep. So now let me ask you a different question. 
what's your favorite strain? And in, 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 there's so many flavors here I see on this one. My favorite is definitely a lemonade. So a lemonade is our signature sativa strain. It is probably besides white tahoe cookies, it's, which is um, more of an indica dominant, it is, flies out the door. It's, it's the one that people constantly want to reorder. So the, the lineage from it is a lemon skunk and kosher kush, and it has okay. like just the most intense nose on it. Um, it's pretty strong. The terpene profile in it is incredible. Um, so it gives you like, like a really nice up high and, uh, and the taste of it is really just exceptional. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to find that. So, and, and, and about finding it where, where in California can people find, uh, your brand? Is it all, all up, you know, South and North coast or are you, more predominantly. We are literally the all the way. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're literally from, you know, in um, the, the closest dispensaries to us are in Arcata and Eureka all the way mm -hmm. down to San Diego. We have shops out in, in needles. Um, there's a shop called the healing center that carries us that, that um, does quite well. Um, there's some shops in San Diego, um, Beverly Hills, all across Los Angeles, Palm Springs. I mean, we're pretty much in every area, okay. Sacramento, but just not as big as we need to be yet. So, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you're getting there. You're 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 brand new, and so so so. Let me ask a different question on another angle. In terms of the market, you know, Molly, where do you find the you know the growing market is going? The brand market is going. Do you find, and then just in general, the cannabis market now that it's 2020, do you find that it's it, I mean, it's obviously growing? You know, more people are consuming cannabis, of course, through a lot of what we've been going through in the first half of the year. Uh, but where do you find it in the next two, three years, you know, everything heading towards, you know? Well, hopefully the market will start to stabilize a little bit and um, the, the regulations will start to calm down. You know, they're constantly changing. Um, mm -hmm. Taxes went up. So I feel like this is going to be... Obviously, 2020 has been a challenging year, year for everybody now, right? There's a lot of people sure. saying that just 2020 is a wash. But um, obviously, cannabis has now been deemed essential, mm -hmm. which is huge. I feel like that's going to allow other states to, you know, to look at California and how well cannabis has been received and how, how um, obviously, the state of California is, you know, there's quite a significant amount of taxes on it that those taxes definitely are, are helping the economy, right? Like, but the, sure. the, so I feel like with, with it being deemed essential, other states will hopefully start to legalize it and make it, um, you know, make it a part of every, in uh, other people's everyday lives. And especially mm -hmm. the people that are, that really need it, not, you know, not just the people that want it, but the people that it can actually help. CBD obviously has, has been um, the is, is able to be, you know, yeah, is, is huge. So I feel yeah. like the next step is for, for cannabis to, to really start spreading across the United States. And, and I would love at some point, um, future goals of mine is to work with other farms in other states and, um, and, and bring smooth the smooth brand to let's say Oregon or Washington. Cause right now cannabis in California cannot cross state lines. State lines. Right. Right. So, but with, um, with expansion goals of wanting to, you know, work with other farms and either do a collab uh, or even have some of our signature strains, right. Like bring some of our clones to other farms and teach, you know, uh, um, align with them on our growing practices and potentially start, you know, start the brand in, in other States would be just a dream. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you find, do you hear that, that, that kind of legislation is going to allow that to happen to give kind of the growers that are already been in the industry in California for such a long time to quickly expand and, and, and do these kind of brand partnerships and co-ops with people across the States? It I'm pretty confident that it will happen. I just don't know when. I mean, there yeah. is already some, I don't exactly know how some brands do it. I mean, because like I said, there's things that can't cross state lines, but we essentially could start smooth cannabis in another state. We would just have to set up a whole nother operation and make sure nothing, you know, gotcha. there wasn't product crossing state lines, but there's nothing that's said right now that if we, you know, if we had the infrastructure and the finances to, 
start a new farm in another state, we could definitely do it. It's just, to me, it will be easier when you can share product crossing state lines, right? Whether it's even bringing clones across, because if you're building a brand, you want consistency, right? Like you want to have, you want the other farms to, to be able to care, to grow the strains that we've already been popular with right, in right. California. Right. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. And so in, in, so in terms of like now increasing your brand, uh, you know, I know you, you've said that you've, you've really spent a lot of focus in, in terms of the, the sales reps and really having them understand your product and kind of go out there to the retail departments. I, I think when we spoke last time, you spoke about trying to kind of expand it with online suppliers, such as kind of these like delivery services that might be out there, some, some services. What other items or tactics have you tried to do to expand, um, you know, your brand messaging and your brand online to kind of control that? Um, well, recently, like I said, we did start with this, um, this delivery service called the Nug, um, the Nug Club, which is really cool. So I, I, I like the idea of subscription boxes where they, their, um, their business plan was to have like 5,000 boxes delivered to X amount of, you know, to customers. And then the, they, they, subscribe to a club where then they can purchase your product at a slightly like members price. Like I think that's a, an amazing idea because it exposes um, a lot of new brands to like they packaged this beautiful box with, I think it was like right. six or seven different brands. Um, so maybe finding more opportunities like that. Um, basically the other, um, the other thing that we did recently, it was uh, we signed up to the Weed Maps has a, a platform where you can like, obviously everybody Weed Maps and Leafly are like the bog standard Bibles of you know of the industry. Right. But Weed Maps now has a platform, um, an exchange platform where you can list your product for sale. So I've I've gotten a lot of um, interest from shops. Really, who, like you know, who for see free? us on they, Weed Maps. They allow you to list it for free. Yeah. Weirdly. Yes. I don't know. I think that maybe at some point they're going to start charging, but um, basically you still have to deliver through your distributor who obviously has the correct licenses, but it exposes your brand to shops that maybe, um, you know, don't have, because there's a lot of small shops out there, just like we're a small brand. We don't have the money or the infrastructure to be all things to all people, right? Sure, so we have right, to right. be very strategic with our, you know, our marketing money and, and figure out how, what's the best way to, you know, get our product to the most amount of people and, you know, in an affordable way. So there's got to be a lot of shops that only have a small people, you know, small handful of people that, that work at it slash run it. So if they are not connecting with a, um, a distributor that then has a menu of products, they kind of have to go find the products for themselves, right? So they're right. looking and sourcing the market on their own, trying to pick the best unique products for, for their own shop. And so they've probably stumbled, stumbled across um, our products and, you know, we, we have good reviews on it. And then they obviously check our webpage and our Instagram page. So I, I think it's a really cool way to expose yourself to not just customers, but to dispensaries who can actually buy your product. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I think the, the video that you guys have on your website, that's a great way for someone to really kind of just at least introduce your brand to them just through just that, you know, un- understanding of, you know, who you are, what you guys represent and what you guys stand for. And, and just kind of getting that uh, online asset. I think Instagram, you mentioned a couple of times, it seems like that's really where a lot of brands are being discovered or growers are being discovered. Cause you, I mean, the best you could do is see the picture, see the video uh, before you, you know, try the product, see it in person kind of deal. Exactly. And, and Instagram stories. So lately we've been trying to give people a taste of um, what it feels like to be on our farm, you know, how, what, what some of the steps they go through with, you know, planting, um, planting the babies or harvesting or just the different, different steps it takes. Cause there's a lot of people that are, that are very, very fascinated by the whole world of, of cannabis farming. And, and it just gives them a glimpse into like a day in a life of, um, of our property. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, do you guys have any plans for producing more content? Because I mean, this property you described sounds like a painting. So it's, I just feel like just having like stories on like birthday cake, cookies, gelato, gelato 33. Is there any ideas or plans for kind of showcasing more about individual brands? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we, we have, um, there's a guy that works on our, uh, on our farm and he's been really like, he, he has a side hobby of photography. So for me, it, it's, it's one thing to have a brand and send your product to a professional photographer and get, you know, the perfect lit shots where the lighting is right and you can see your logo right. well. Like it's, it's, you, you need that right for marketing. But the other side of it of like who we are as people slash what the practices and methods are, are so important. Cause I feel like that's what people, people don't just want a high, shiny fashion glossy brand right they want to actually know what the substance is behind it and that's yeah. where i feel like we have a really interesting story so um i was i struggled for, for like the first year and a half i would say of the brand because we're in such a remote location that and obviously like it, cannabis needs to be transported uh with the correct licenses and uh right so to get, you know, to get photographers to the farm to shoot is not <laughs> the easiest um, of all things to do. So, um, yeah. so, so we've been lucky that we have our friend Jeremy who, um, who shot the episode of Growing Exposed. It's just, if anybody, that's, that's one thing to plug. If you find it, it's on um, YouTube. It's called Growing Exposed. It is the most spectacular 30 minutes of, of the Lost Coast and our farm. And basically they do farm tours. They go around to like, the best cannabis farms in California and they it's like what I consider the MTV cribs of the cannabis world it's no like, way I'm gonna have to check it out yeah that sounds dope. you have to check okay. it out it's 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 really cool so um yeah so basically recently we've just started filming a, a bit more just like quick videos um just you know showing showing bits of the harvesting showing bits of um you know our actual staff who are all really dedicated awesome people like I, I really value everybody who works for us they're super hard working and it takes a special type of person to move to such a remote area and not be connected to like you know shops that you can walk to or cell phone reception right you have to yep. be able to like immerse yourself in what you do and, and then want to just live kind of like a simple quiet life yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I think you guys embody those qualities. And I think that's really what I think just in general society wants to have less noise. You know, I think everybody does. And the fact that, you know, the brand embodies that it's, it's, and that's really what you're selling. It's that lifestyle, eventually, at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, any product out there, fashion or cannabis. But, um, you know, in, in, in terms of any kind of ideas about products, I mean, I know you guys are very much focused on flour, any I know there's like other horizontal categories like live resin doing different things, uh, you know, maybe with edibles, any, any plans on expanding uh, Smooth's product lines for other categories? Well, so yeah. So right now we have our eighth jars that do, that do quite well. We are launching a late, a line of black label jars that are going to be like the cream of the crop um, selected strains that are testing very high THC. So I hope to be launching those soon. Right now we currently have a one gram, but only pre-roll. We have a 0.8 gram. And then, um, probably in the next month, I'm going to be launching a two pack. Uh, okay. so there's a lot of people that want to like, just have, you know, the little dog walkers or a smaller joint and not have to put it out. So there'll be mm -hmm. 2.5 grams in, in one pack. And then, um, like I, I think I had mentioned this to you last time. I definitely want to expand and, and do a collab with um, with another edible company. Like you know, sell them, use our flour, make it into the oil, and then you know, do Got do it. almost like a white a white labeling with an edible. But because we are small, it's like everything has to be you know strategic sure. and, and and planned. And and like I said, I'm a one man band, so I I don't do all the graphics myself, but I work with different artists one of my best friends is in London and, and I usually spend Skype calls with her like working on all the packaging visually on Skype and doing all the layouts with all the compliance info that have to go on such tiny packaging and still wanting it to look aesthetic I'm constantly yeah. like oh we've got to pick a different font because it has to be 0.6 and you've got to be able to read it and there's such it's not just like you know make something pretty and put it out there it has to actually be legit compliant. I mean, we actually had one, I don't remember what product it was. It might've been one of the first batches of pre-rolls that we sent out. We had uh -huh. one of our sales reps went to a shop and they had one of them, the purchasing managers there. He had a measuring tape out and he was measuring the size of our California compliance triangle. And he's like, 
um, your trial goal seems like it's about an eighth of an inch too small. I can't accept this into my shop. And I was like, what? Mm. Like, no, wow. you know, we, we've sold to however many other shops and nobody's ever complained of it. Sure enough, we, we printed it out and, and, and measured it. And I don't know if something happened in the art that went from the graphic designer to, you know, the printing company that they made it a tiny bit smaller. So it was fine. It was, it's something that only if somebody had a measuring tape, they would have caught, but of course I wanted to correct it and be, yeah, but it's, it's definitely, it's an intense market to be in. It's fun. It's constantly growing and evolving. Um, I'm hoping this year, like I said, things stabilize. Um, we, the new flower that we are literally packed, it went out for lab tests, um, yesterday. Um, it is phenomenal. We have about seven strains that are going to be packaged in the next, um, week. I would say the lab test went out and it'll usually take about a week to come back. So expect, um, a lot of fresh, new, smooth cannabis flower into dispensaries, which is a unique time because there's not a lot of people harvesting right now. So hopefully this is, this is a good opportunity. Absolutely. I remember you said something really interesting last time about the lab test that you just reminded me about that, how, you know, they're sugarcoating their results kind of, so to say. So it's a, it, that, that world also is a very interesting world in, in itself. The whole lab yeah, testing. The lab testing, that is something that's really like every, every time I open up my email and I see one of my lab, my labs come back, I, it reminds me of being back in high school. Like when the teacher puts a paper on your desk and you're like ready to turn it over, you're like, oh my God, what did I get on this score? Because basically the market yeah. only wants product that's testing over 20%. If it's under 20%, right. they're kind of like, eh. And it's like... What I, what I try to educate um, our sales reps slash bud tenders is when you go to your liquor store to buy Grey Goose vodka, you don't buy Grey Goose because it's 42% and um, right. Absolute is 40, right? Like you're buying it because it's a name and a brand. It's, you want the quality and the taste and that's what it is in cannabis. It's not only about the THC percentage. It's about the terpene right. profile that then works with your body chemistry to, you know, give you that high or feeling or remedy. Oh, hundred percent. Or, or everybody would just go get moon rocks, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. Just go smoke moon rocks then. But, but then um, there's, you know. there's also other, the older, the older crowd that smoked, you know, in the sixties and seventies, um, they go and buy some of the flour out there and they're like, oh my God, this is way too strong. Right. Can't we just get flour from back in the day? So it's, right, it's such right. an interesting world. The younger, the younger crowd wants like the 30% blow your socks off. Um, yeah, and, they want to go to Mars you know, and then everybody else mm-hmm. just wants to go fly on that private jet. They're like, you know, this is, this is a good level, level of heightness I could, I could go at not, not right. to Mars, you know, but, um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I love it. I mean, I love how you guys have, thought about everything in terms of just the quality, you know, and, and, and the operation where you guys have come from. Um, it's a, it's just an amazing solid brand that you've built over there, Amalia and, and the whole team, the whole team at smooth. And um, you know, the, 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 the next thing I think everybody that's listening at this point probably wants to know, you know, where can they find you? Is there any um, specific stores uh, that, you know, you want to give a shout out to, or just in general, if they want to find out more information uh, and learn more about, you know, where can they, you know, follow you, find out more information, you know, what, where, where do they go? Well, I would definitely say I, to check out uh, Smooth Cannabis on Instagram, because we always have posts of um, all the dispensaries that carry us. And like, if we're doing a new fresh drop of pre-rolls, like we'll tag the shops that, um, because I have all the sales reports. I know, every, you know, every week I know who is buying what. So I try to always constantly give shout outs Barbary Coast in San Francisco, Mission Organic, um, Dang Depot, the refinery in Los Angeles, um, Hazelwood. I mean, there's, you just check in with our Instagram page and, and, you know, if you're curious about a product, then you, we can help you source it or find it. Or you can even just drop us a message to say, oh, we're definitely interested in Alamanati. Lots of people text me their, um, their postcode or zip code of where, you know, where they live. And I'll, I'll, I'll just personally write them back and say, this is where you can find it. Yep. Okay. 
Cool. Well, I mean, that's, that's awesome. So we'll, and we'll also put those in the show notes for everybody uh, to click on the appropriate links and they can go get to your Instagram. They can get to your website. And honestly, thank you. You know, I just want to say a big thank you to Smooth Cannabis and a big thank you to you uh, as well to Amalia for joining us today and just, you know, really telling the story. I mean, you guys have an amazing story and, you know, we, we absolutely at Canna Playbook and all of our, our, our associates, we wish you, you know, amazing, amazing luck for 2020 and just keep growing this awesome brand, you know, and anyway, we can support it let us know okay thank you so much it's really been great speaking with you absolutely thank you guys for tuning in today we hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some value in it if you guys like today's episode please don't forget to subscribe and give us a review so other amazing entrepreneurs can discover the industry and get value just like yourself we are always looking for anyone working and providing value in the cannabis space so if you feel you have a brand and a story to tell on the cannabis playbook reach out to us at incubator that's i-n-c-u-b-a-t-o-r at cannaplaybook.com and someone from our team will reach out. Once again, we appreciate you all and keep living, keep growing and keep taking action.